Hello everybody, welcome back to Gamer Life, episode 2. We have Citizen's Leave today in our conversation. We talk about games, movies, shows, art, AI. The conversation goes to interesting places. Citizen's Leave has taught film for many years. Very interesting guy. Has dabbled in things like video games, making them, and also creating screenplays and things like that. So there's a lot to talk to with him. And I think we did a good job covering a lot of ground. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Please check out his links in the show notes as well if you want to check out more of his content. And with that, I give you Citizen's Leave. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me on. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a long time that I've wanted to have you on, but uh, out of my own insecurity, I've been practicing with other people <laughs> to make sure that I have the conversational skills to, to do you justice. Because honestly, man, there are so many topics I want to explore with you. And I think it will take more than, you know, one convo. But how, how are you? With in these times of turmoil, I know you've had a lot of, you know, obviously problems with, you know, getting laid off and all that. How have things been going for you? Um, better since this year started, I think. I think I, I had this weird mental thing going on last year. A lot of shit went on. I lost friends to cancer. I obviously got made redundant. COVID for all of us was slap bang in the middle. We've all gone through all kinds of crap. But since this year started, I've kind of got myself going again. I've started making content again. I've been in discord a bit more I've, i think i just shut down for a bit at the end of last year uh i don't know what it was i like a lack of motivation and then self-worth a little bit because i was a teacher for such a long time it's like 16 yeah. years and then boom gone it's like oh and okay. there wasn't like an option for you to like move to a different placement somewhere else right in this no, no. as a teacher no well not not yet i mean there might be opportunities that come up but the problem with the minute with education in this country is covid and no one's going anywhere or doing anything and exams are cancelled and you know fucking hell so yeah um i've I, i've got an okay amount of savings to keep me going for a little bit i'm gonna crack on properly with all this stuff now and you know be more available and not be the elusive bastard yeah. i often am yeah i've seen <laughs> i've seen you 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 went ham this week i think you put out like three videos so i'm uh, curious five. to hear about how yeah. that's going we're gonna get to that but just before for people who don't know you What's your elevator pitch as to who Citizen Sleeve is? <laughs> All right, I'll give you the uh, the shortest version I possibly can. So my background's in film, degree in film, studied film, mainly taught film for a long time um, in an academic and practical sense. Then I started making games with my brother. So I did a little bit of indie development on the side. Then I started teaching game design. Um, so I guess you could call me a film academic who games and does all the crap. There you go. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Where does content creation coexist in that? And why did you, you know, get started in the first place? What's your thinking there? Uh, I love editing. I, I love the, the formation and technique of making film. Now, obviously, I haven't got a studio and any ability to, you know, turn out proper short films that you'd see on channels like dust with that kind of quality or anything near that right so the closest i can get is to create videos on um on youtube and to create content and it started out just like 
skits years ago. I just did characters. I remember those, dude. Silly crap like the uh, the old gamer who complained about everything and the troll and things like that. I really do need to go back to doing them. Um, but I like do, doing comedy voices and skits and little sketches and stuff like that. And then yeah. kind of in, then I started doing little reviews here and there and, and uh, let's plays and stuff like that. And it, I'm just trying to work out exactly what I want to do in, in terms of content. Yeah, that's difficult. This question from Carrick, uh, question for Sleeve, and he can't pull any bullshit. Which is better, Legend of Labyrinth? And why is it Legend? <laughs> um, no, I'd agree. I think it's Legend. Okay. I think it's legend. That that film is great, dude. That film is great. Every character uh, is great in it. And Silver jumps in. I, I was gonna hit you with the same argument. David Bowie, all in one for me. It's like the oh oh yeah. Oh, Labyrinth is great. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Labyrinth is brilliant. But I prefer Dark Crystal if we're talking those films. Okay, yeah. So they they have a certain magic to them. Yeah, it, it's weird. Man. Like on paper, I I never thought I would enjoy a movie like that. <laughs> But, but it's it's pretty dope. Well, it's high dark fantasy when it comes down to it. It's not much different than what you get in kind of traditional RPGs. It's just that when you see it on yes. screen with the designs of the Skeksis and stuff, or the monsters in uh, in Labyrinth, they look amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. But so so let's go to gaming a little bit because you are like an old time gamer, right? I think you started super early on with games, didn't you? Yeah, um, I, I was born in '79. And I was playing games by about the age of five or six, I guess. So the first ever game I played, if I remember, was my uncle's. He had an Atari 2600 and I played Pitfall. Right. By David by David Crane, long, long time ago. But the first proper memories I have are in the UK, when the NES was massive in America. It wasn't that big in the UK. We had something called the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64 as well. But the ZX Spectrum with this little rubber-keyed uh, computer, 48K memory, man. Those are the days. Yeah. With a with a cassette uh, deck, and you would load the, the tape in. It would take like ten minutes. It would load the game in. So I was playing stuff like uh, Manic Miner, Bubble yeah. Bobble, New Zealand Story, and then the beat 'em up started coming out. So my brother and I would play things like Renegade, Double Dragon, and then Street Fighter. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you because there's this criticism of the idea of games as escapism. And you've heard this, so, you know, a lot of people say, hey, I play games because I want to escape to a different setting, right? A different reality. And then a lot of people criticize that, like, you know, maybe you should address the problems in your life if you need to escape to... But I, I never bought that because I think we, we need diversity as humans, right? We need different yeah. experiences. We need stuff that stimulates us, whether uh, intellectually or, you know, just as an experience. So that's for me where kind of games sit in. But when you go back to those days of the early games, there isn't much of like an experience or like, you know, because it's really basic um, games that we had back then, right? So what is it for you when you think back that got you into gaming in the first place? I think initially it was just co-op with my brother. It was something we, we did together. And I yeah. always punched him because he was better than me. That was, you know, you, you physically punched him when he oh, beat yeah. you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we had for the, for a little period when we were playing Street Fighter, I couldn't stand him because he was just that little bit better than me. And he oh. still is. He still is just that little bit but better than me. But at least that means you could beat him sometimes, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm one of the okay. few who who could at the time, which is cool. Because it could but... be worse if he was just like <laughs> at a different level. 
what do you do right there you can't even like train to that's, get better because you that, just get squashed that's the problem he'll go online sometimes and i'll watch him play and he'll beat like 25 people in a row and then i'll go in and lose four and beat him twice it's like oh at least something at least i got something yeah no it's um to your first point going back to older games i mean it, it was just imagination mate like i remember the first time we played uh I think I got Super NES one. Uh, Great Christmas, yeah. I told the story loads of times. Well, I got Super NES, but I got a Mega Drive two. We had Street of Rage two and Sonic two and stuff. But the first time I played uh, Zelda, Link to the Past, and then I think we had Secret of Mana as well. Although it was not a nicely for the time, the graphics were amazing. It was sixteen bit. It looked brilliant. These wonderful worlds. It was top down in two D. But you're a kid, so you make up the world. You immerse yourself in it, so you flesh out what you don't see. And, yeah. and and that's the beauty of being a kid. So as I've grown up, obviously, games have become far larger, far more immersive, far more um, technically proficient, far more ambitious. But the word you used was escapism. Yes. I think that I think that's a baseline. Okay, so anything can be escapism. Gardening can be escapism. Movies, right? Movies, film, uh, yeah, uh, TV series, music, yeah. uh, uh, books pantomime theater any of these things can be escapism at a very base level because they distract you from a thing that you want to be distracted from but art goes much more uh, in levels beyond that i mean you're talking about mental health for instance yeah uh like even let's move on to something else and come back to that even cancer patients burn victims they play video We're getting games dark really quickly <laughs> in the podcast. no 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 okay. no, no, no no dark no darkness um they video games are used by people who suffer from those kind of um, illnesses because yeah. it completely removes them from said pain to some extent especially things like vr so, but then intellectually as well you want to play games to be engaged not just to be passive like you would be in say a, a, a you know piece of music or tv you're you're more conscious because you're interacting and i think you can get into a set of uh routines in games that can help your mental health because you're doing stuff it's busy work and that's why i can understand people playing stardew valley and being animal <laughs> crossing you know yeah. because it's so much busy work but then for me it's all about narrative the game that blew my mind when i was a kid my, my brother and i was yeah. K K uh, konami snatcher and it came out on the mega cd uh-huh one of the first mega cd games right my brother man he had the mega, mega drive 2 mega cd 2 the 32x it's like a big fucking mound of Dude. connected plastic. <laughs> yeah. But Snatcher was the first game where I was like, wow, that is an awesome narrative. Basically a kind of point and click adventure yeah. where you played a cyberpunk uh, police detective who was taking down people disguised as robots. And it was very teenagery for us, but if it fit Blade Runner and it was the first time I'd seen a game nail a kind of i've heard narrative. a lot about that game. Is it like a choose your own adventure, but turned point click? kind of so it's yeah you make choices and you get different endings and interact with characters and get clues okay. things like that and then there's time not time sequences but sequences where you have to do certain things to get out of them like a, a bomb might explode and you have to defuse it stuff like that and the yeah. graphics at the time were like spot on cyberpunk really cool that's awesome man how do you feel for you games have moved as an art i guess an art form because you said you know games have evolved and now it's much more of like a an immersive graphical experience a lot of the time has that added like a yet another layer onto that sandwich of you know immersion and escapism or do you feel that we've lost something in the process of you know adding all of this 
graphical fidelity. Kind of, I kind of think both a little bit. Uh, part of the problem with massive AAA games is once you've hit a certain point in development, you can't steer it in any other direction, so you're locked into what you're doing. So if you've made a game yeah. for seven years and you locked most things in into five years, two years, you're just finishing things, you're polishing, you're adding stuff, etc. I think the difference in the landscape now is back, back in my day, there were plenty of indies. Like the ZX Spectrum was homebrew, there was loads of indies. But it got to a point where it was so oversaturated, much of the stuff on there was crap. Just re repeated game design. Now you've got indies and double-A game developers, things like Godfall, that are fitting just in between and trying to do more inventive things. And that's opened up gaming. You know, people complain about things like walking simulators. It's just another type of game, a, yeah. a narrative-driven one, you know? So I like the idea of these new genres popping up and catering to different types of gamers, because as you said, you want a diversification and a plethora of games that people can latch onto, which suit their style. The more, the merrier. I agree. By the way, hi to everybody popping in, and, and I, I've seen people tweet it as well. I really appreciate it. Uh, we, we can't say hi to everybody individually, but uh, hi. <laughs> hi. And, uh, and th thanks for doing this, man. Listen, um, I did want to talk to you about what you've been doing this week because you've been a busy bee, you know, with videos. We'll get onto the video stuff, but what have you been playing? Uh, well, I've done, I've been playing some games because of the reviews I've been doing. So I played some Assassin's Creed 2 yeah. the other day for the first time in ages. Um, I played a little bit of, or I need to play some Forza Horizon after this so I can get some footage for that review. And then. Just, I've got like a load of old reviews I wrote back when these games were made for, for yeah. a website, and I was just going through them and rewriting them to kind of fit a more cool. uh, looking back at context. So I'll go through those, and then I need to start writing more and going yeah. all over the place with games. And people I, can find all your stuff uh, through the Twitch link, where you, over there you have all the uh, the links to other stuff, YouTube and yeah, Twitter. People you, can find you, you there. Type Just type my name into yeah. anything, and I'm pretty much the same thing everywhere. Um, and also you run, uh, of course, a podcast with Silver, right? About movies and shows. If you had to like compare or I guess categorize, let's say movies and shows on one side and then gaming, how, how do you view those? Is one more like linked to your career, I imagine directly, the movies and then gaming more of just a pure hobby or do you view those intertwined in some way? Um intertwined but more heavily to movies right. like I, I can't escape the fact that my or pretty much my entire life since even as a young kid i've just been obsessed by film obsessed by it yeah watching watching films with my dad going to the cinema with my mom then starting to study it going to uni teaching it it's kind of intrinsically woven into who i am so that'll never go away but i've played games so long from such an early age and i've watched narrative become more important in developing games and I and seeing the crossovers and stuff that yeah they're, they're inextricably bound as well it's just yeah. a slight more weight towards movies let's say okay so but most of the stuff you're doing on your YouTube on your own YouTube aside from the podcast is gaming right at so, the minute yeah is there a reason why you decided to focus on gaming for the channel versus let's say movies uh, honestly, because if I want to create short form review content, I am not a big enough YouTuber to be able to use film footage without copyright strikes or claims. Oh. 
Um, I've tried it before. I, I did, used to do a thing called scene slices, where yes. I'd take a scene from a film and I'd pull it apart really quickly and deconstruct it. And I couldn't use any footage. Every time I put a piece of footage up, because it was one full scene, it would just get claimed or, or you know take that down. But you can, you can get around it. I can cut lots together, but that takes a lot of time for a very short video. I, there are ways around it, I guess, that I need to figure out a format for. That's all I'm trying to do. Whereas with the podcast with, with Silver... We just talk about it for you know twenty minutes an hour, yeah, whatever it is. So that, that that's the main difference. With gameplay, it's gameplay. You can record it, you can use it, you can talk about it. Done, no issues. Generally. Yeah, that makes sense. So then let's talk about uh, your your content. Uh, also, I I did want to talk about something a bit more like, uh, I guess mindset related because for for a while since you left your job as a teacher, you've been wanting to kind of get started on the content creation track. And I know it's yeah. taken you a while to kind of get the ball rolling on that. How much of that was, you know, like mental health wise, like, you you know, you, you needed to figure out some shit internally versus, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at, a, a lot of people probably sympathize with wanting to do something, but never like breaking the inertia, you know? So, and you've done that this week. So you broke the inertia, you're now rolling. What, yeah. what was the push for you to to manage to do that finally was there something that like an epiphany where you you said hey i got it let's do it um i talked to Carrick in discord yeah that's li literally it um did he I'd tell been... you to get off your ass and <laughs> well no well no he's been doing it a lot anyway and, and silver's been come on do stuff and, and kerry has my girlfriend lots of people have but it was a, it was at the start of January. It must have been a few, maybe a week away or something, a bit um, into January. And I was in Discord and we had a chat. And he was just like, "Why haven't you done anything for the podcast yet?" I was like, "Well, Silver's ill a bit now," and it was like the usual excuses I give. You know what I'm fucking like. And he was just like, "Why aren't you doing anything? You've got all this time. Do something." So I was like, "Right, okay." So the next day, I recorded some reviews. I got the footage, and it started feeling good again. Honestly, I've just been languishing, mate. I've been I've been really down. I've been, you know, depressed for for long periods in the last portion of last year for a lot most of last year. Fuck it, let's face it. Um, and then when I got made redundant, I just kind of felt a bit worthless. And I know I know I'm not. I know it's a stupid thing. No, to I understand. Say. It's not stupid at all because it's not a matter of are you in fact worthless? That's one of those like how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself yeah kind of things and you know we all go through periods where it's you know our we're, we're just like low on that self-esteem aspect but but uh, but it sounds like you're doing a bit better and do, do you think that you know making the videos and have something tangible out there that you've created kind of helps with that massively like massively i i've always liked the process of creating something in its disparate form assembling it constructing it releasing it and seeing people's response and i've got nothing else to do right now like i, I need to sort out a part-time job at some time very soon and start getting you know that sorted because this isn't just going to stop paying the bills magically overnight but i need consistency and that's the single most difficult thing i've always found with this stuff is just getting off my ass and doing it every day now i've got the time I have to start doing this every day because it'll keep me going. It'll keep me focused. I'll get better at it as I get click, re-click with it and yeah. start getting more creative ideas. I mean, at the minute, I'm only really doing retro reviews and 
a bit of streaming here and there and some other videos. I might bring talking title screens back, but I want to find, I'd like to make game documentaries, to be honest, but the problem with that is the time it takes to do them, the complexity right. of the edit, the footage you need to gather. You so know. I think for something like that, what you need is to have a bit of an audience that can support you directly, say through Patreon or something like that, yeah. in a way that you're not a victim to the YouTube algorithm. You don't depend on it suggesting your video to make any money back. Assuming you want to make some money because you know, you're putting a lot of effort and time into it. So yeah, exactly. you want to make it pop as much as you can. Right. So, so for me, I think what you're doing makes sense, which is like get your, it's almost like a wedge, right? You get your foot in the door and then, you know, you can sort of create something from there. But if you go too ambitious first, then you know, you're putting all this time and you're not seeing a lot of return. So I think that, that makes sense. That, that's the problem, yeah. So I think what I'm going to do is exactly that. I think I'll keep releasing smaller videos to keep the channel going and growing and kind of, you know, finding my way a little bit yeah. um, and start coming up with some smaller things. But in the background, I want to just start working on a documentary. To be honest, I was thinking, and it's been in my mind for a little while, of just talking about fighting games for a bit because there's so few people in the grand scheme of things yeah. you talk about fighting games and i true I, i'd love to do like a my history of fighting games and you know, the stuff i grew up with especially in youtube there's real power in niching down yeah absolutely to something that's really narrow like fighting games so it's no longer games where it's like the entire youtube now you're saying okay only people interested in fighting games will come but they will love your shit because it's, you know, really tailored for them, right? So I think that's it's, a really yeah. cool idea. It's really difficult, I think, to be broad and find a, an audience quick. There's plenty of YouTubers yes. and, uh, and streamers who are out there who are, you know, they, they stream all kinds of games they want to stream, but they're big enough to do so. I think when you're at a smaller level, you need to look at, like on, on Twitch, for instance, if you're going to go and stream right now on Twitch, you want to be looking at games that are, kind of around the 1,000 to three to 4,000 mark in viewers. They're the games you want to be playing, your Elder Scrolls Online, um, you know, the, because you're going to find an audience if you keep doing it, and that's the way to build, where I think if you're too scattershot, it's not going to work. So that's true if you only rely on Twitch discoverability, which sucks. Oh, but the, true. the only yeah. shot you have if you rely on Twitch for discoverability as you say, is to choose smartly where you position yourself, right? Yeah. Is it a directory where you have a shot at competing? Then, you know, great. Then uh, you're going to have some trickle in, but it's always going to be a trickle in of people on Twitch, I find, because it just isn't set up for people to find you in a massive scalable yeah. way. Whereas, Whereas on, YouTube, on YouTube, one video. Yeah, you can have that one video, dude. It's so crazy. I have like a couple videos on my channel that have done like a hundred X better than any other video. And I don't I have no idea do why, well. but I have no idea why, because when I look at the video, I've done other videos that are similar. So the thing mm. is, you never know what's going to pop on YouTube. So you just got to do a lot of stuff and see what sticks um, yeah, within exactly right. your vision for your content. You don't want to just, you know, do fucking dancing classes <laughs> if that's not your thing. Right. But but yeah. So how how have things gone for you with these three videos? Are you are you happy with the direction so far? Are you planning on doing different things? 
Uh, I need uh, more diverse footage at the minute. I'm just using intro footage from the game. And I, off I normally when I do a review, I'd spend more time playing the game, get the footage and cut to whatever I'm speaking about, the mechanics, the music, uh, uh, you know, graphics, character design, whatever the hell it is. So a little bit more content, but I want I want these videos to not be complex. Yeah. So I can, I can write them, record them, get them out, done. And then the more complex stuff I can do in the background yeah. in between those more... As long as in my mind I get a video every other day. Not every day. Every think, other day. I I'm think that's... I want to push back a little because yeah. I'm afraid for yeah. you burnout. that you're going to burn out. So <laughs> because that's a lot every other day. That is a lot. And um, and also you, you have to keep in mind that there's something called like audience burnout. So the. Let's say the more demand there is for your videos, then sure, you can make more videos and those are going to just be consumed because people are, you know, you have a ton of people, they just want to watch your stuff. But initially, you know, we have to build that, right? You and I, we're in this in the same race, right? We're trying to build yeah. something there. So I, I feel like a weekly schedule is more conducive to that because you can get a lot of feedback in between videos that you can apply to the next one. You have uh, almost like a small backlog of time and videos so you know if that week something happens and you can't get one done you're still on schedule right because you have some some like a window of time there so for me like a weekly thing would be my recommendation but by all means try it out right if it works for you then that's that's great but i just want to make sure you you're not the guy that goes to the gym for a full week every day and then never returns <laughs> we all know that guy yeah 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 absolutely but so don't be that guy is all like <laughs> i'm saying i i i think i'm okay now honestly okay. in terms and so we'll talk about the other stuff but in terms of burnout i think i'm okay okay i i was a teacher for 16 years i burnt my... <laughs> I love how you you use that as like i can withstand any sort I, of i I, I burned i burnt out every single year you know in the end because there's so much work to do you're con like you when you when you're a teacher uh, with a lot of other jobs like that as well your mind is always blah because you're dealing with so many different things getting thrown at you. So making a 10-minute video every day isn't difficult. But I do take your point. Get, don't don't just throw stuff and throw stuff and throw stuff. Take, space it out a little bit so you've got more people who have got time to view it. And then you can find your feet a bit more. And you've, as you said, I do need a backlog. Like, I've got one recorded now, as I said. So I just need the footage for it. Yeah. But I haven't got anything else to kind of, you know, have in the background just ready to press the button if I'm like, I can't do it today for whatever right. reason. Yeah, I think that's nice. And, you know, what Silver says about building a routine is nice, I think. So finding yeah. what works for you is the is the key there. But that's cool, well, that's man. The, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed watching your videos. There, There's a lot of substance there. I wanted to ask you, what is your process? Uh, because it seems to me like it has to be sort of written down because it's very carefully worded, the, you know, the way you phrase things. So is it, as you say, kind of go piggyback off like some written review that you've done in the past? How, how does it work for you? Normally, I wouldn't have a script at all. Okay. So if you go back pat, like to anything I've done prior to the last four videos, nothing is scripted. I will normally just sit down at a mic, I will order internally exactly what I need to speak about 
and then I will do it kind of in my mind a paragraph at a time. So I'll say the thing, think, say the thing, think, go into Audacity, cut the dead, dead air out, and that's that. The last few, I used to write for a, a website long, long time ago called Xbox Ramble, I think it was called. And I wrote a load of um, reviews for them. So I've got like 10, and I've already done four of them. So once they're done, I'll start moving away from just that era of games and just starting doing whatever I feel like. I see. So at that point, do you, do you plan on like pivoting to a more freeform style where you, you're just like riffing on the floor? Yeah, yeah. Um, part of it, like I do like writing, but part of it is whenever I read and I can tell this, which is why I try to interject a little aside here and there. Yeah. Whenever someone reads from a script, unless it's a documentary format, if it's short form, it's often too dry. I, so I feel this. Got... I feel this. I, I didn't yeah. necessarily feel it. Like, again, I, I could kind of tell that it was scripted, but it was, you know, it was good stuff. Like it, it read fairly naturally the way you had it. Um, but it's always really hard because when you're writing a piece for a website, you, for example, you write in a different way than how you would talk about it naturally. A little bit, yeah. The right? idiom is slightly different. It's a yeah. bit more formal. You have a, a much more like structured uh, system for your sentences, all that. Yeah. Um, and when you're writing a script for a video, I think you almost have to try to mimic that natural flow of speech. Otherwise, it can come across as, you know, really like... It's why, it's why with the, yeah exactly. It's it's why with the written ones that I've done so far, I've tried to leave in little mistakes. Right. Like if I stumble over a slight word, I'll leave it there because I don't want it to be this dry. Hello, welcome to my review of you know. Yes. I just want it to sound a little bit more uh, relaxed and casual. But once these are done, I'll go back to just choosing a game, sitting in front of the mic, and just recording it as I see it in my mind structurally, yeah. and then just chat in a more kind of discursive way. So you've done, I was asking you about this earlier. I, I think you've done a little bit of like screenplay or you've played around with that stuff. Uh, I've never had anything released. <laughs> so don't, don't think I'm an actual screenwriter. Right. I've, worked, I've worked on short films before, yeah. um, but in screenwriting terms, yeah. We did it all the way through uni. So I've got right. radio plays and I've got short film scripts and I've got, you know, little bits of narrative here and there. I've got folders on my PC with all kinds of crap on there right. from all over years. So mainly horror, mainly horror. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah. do, do you ever think about, you know, when you're going to make a video, do you ever think of applying any of those ideas to, to, you know, how the video is going to be? So, you know, when it comes to like, if you think about a screenplay, a YouTube video can be like a mini screenplay where you have, you know, like a beginning, middle, end, and you have this sort of overarching message you want to send with the video, I guess, and this kind of direction you want to take people. Do you think of it to that degree? Or is it much more just like, hey, I'm just talking about this topic or this game? If it's um, like the characters I've done, I have written scripts for, little, little mini scripts. Yeah. The, the problem with, with the stuff you're talking about is, again, just the time it takes because... What I would normally do, if I was going to do that kind of thing, which I, I'd done before, I would write, a, I would write a, a screenplay. I would, and don't forget, if it's only me as well, I've got to come up with all the voices for the different characters. Yeah. So I have to, I have to make it limited. It's got to only be really two or three, and then I've got to try and find some visual costume to distinguish, even if it's 
glasses, no glasses, different uh-huh. t-shirt, hat, hat, whatever. And then literally what I would do is I would sit for probably a couple of hours with the lines for one character and come up with a voice that sounded right that I could mm. keep going for a while. Because there's plenty of voices I can do that are so hard on your throat that I yeah. can't do it for a long time. So yeah. I just have to find little funny, stupid, bloody voices that I can do for a character and then I lock into it, record them all, and that's when I'll start um, slicing and dicing, as I call it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. So I wanted to talk a little bit about movies and shows, unless you had something else on the stream or like video stuff. No, no, you can't. You want to talk about? Are you? By the way, are you gonna come back to streaming? Yes, that's the plan. Yeah, Monday, um, I'm gonna be streaming Phasmophobia on Twitch in the evening with Silver. I'm gonna start getting back into doing that regularly. Start getting back into doing last podcast regularly. Awesome. All those things. Cool, cool. Uh, I'm looking forward. I still, you still owe me a collaboration at some point for a video game or something. We'll play. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, just ask dude. Just ask. We'll get it on. Okay, cool. Um, so that sounds wrong. Now you've made it weird. Haven't you? We're going to get get it it on. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, uh, let's go to movies a little bit because I wanted to talk movies with you. Um, yesterday or last night I rewatched the prestige, Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite movies. Have you first of all have you seen it? No pressure, yeah. but if you don't like it, we can't be friends. <laughs> it's one of Nolan's better films. Yes. Um I Nolan is at his best when he's trying to weave complex narratives that kind of concurrently flow together and cross. That's that's the way I find it. Yeah. So Memen- Memento is is one of his first films uh, yeah. with Guy uh, Pierce. Uh-huh. It's basically about a guy who has no short-term memory. He's been in an accident, and you've got two narratives running concurrently. One's going forward, and one is temporarily moving backwards in black and white. Yeah. Uh, and the black and white is the real, or the, the memory of what he's try, kind of trying to assemble to what's happened, and the narrative flow moves forward for the other. It's really, really good. And then you look at things like Inception and The Prestige, and I think they're his best films, right? Mm. I watched Tenet uh, last week. I haven't seen that one yet. It, I won't spoil think? anything. Yeah, but overall, um, it, it it's basically Inception, but it it's using a different kind of mechanic, if you like, instead of the world within the world within the world, yes. the microcosm within the microcosm that Inception does. My problem with Tenet, unlike Inception, was it has no heart. It's a really cold mm. movie, and I didn't care about any of the uh, or the protagonist or any of the other characters really at all. Whereas in Inception, that cast is great. That's yeah, a bloody good cast. I and mean, you, you Tenet like the does have a good cast. So, um, actually, yeah. I was surprised. I'm trying to remember his name. Is it Robert something? The the guy from Twilight that's in Tenet. Oh, Patterson. Yeah. Robert Patterson, yeah? yeah. Um, I used to think he's like, hey, he's a one-trick pony, right? Twilight, we get yeah. it. Uh, but then I watched uh, the, the, the Lighthouse. Right. Have you seen that? Yeah, Will Defoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a real movie, man. With you know, with him, that's a powerful role, I think, for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of him in well, Tenet and and Batman. But you're saying you didn't really jive with him in Tenet. I, his performance was okay. I don't think he was given enough to do for a start. Yes. And I think that the logic of the film breaks itself quite often. Mm. Um, but more so than something like Inception does. I, 
it, I, like I said, it just didn't have any heart. The action sequences are amazing, as you'd expect from from anything Nolan. Big, massive scale, really inventive use of of camera techniques and, and other filmic techniques to to pull off this effect, these effects that he wants in terms of the way time works. But it just I felt very cold and distant from the film a lot of the time, rather than yeah. being kind of invested in those character developments. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have some some you know annoyances with the prestige where i think i, I don't i'm not going to spoil anything uh, but just vaguely speaking you know well, the ending one of the I characters mean... has a secret right so uh christian bale's character has basically a big secret that gets revealed in the end it's a big reveal and a really cool reveal uh however in my view he could have just shared that with his wife and basically there would be no conflict she would be on board she would understand what's going on and they could have resolved that part of the conflict for me um but i guess it's part of the ethos of the movie that a true magician it never breaks character the act yeah. <laughs> is what everybody sees on a daily basis including like his wife and you know the other stuff it do you know what I mean? It's like the opposite. They kind of flip it. Yeah, um, the kind of facade that's held yeah. up for so long and then slips at the end. And they and they have this really cool, uh, totally secondary, insulary character that they show. It's this very old man, uh, this magician. And uh, he plays, uh, when, when he's out and about, he looks really frail, like he's going to fall over. You know, he really, looks really old, really senile. Uh, but in reality, he's not. He's fine. He's fit. He can do tricks and all that. But nobody knows because all people see when he's out and about is this frail old man. And that's the act. You know, they have this line where they say, that's the act. It's not what he does on stage. It's what he does outside of stage. Uh, so I love that little, you know, flipping the perspective on it. It, it kind of, you know, really connected with me. A little bit like um, Brian Singer's The Usual Suspects. Uh, let yeah, Kevin. We'll put aside the Brian Singer, Kevin Spacey controversy issues they've had. Yeah, but the yeah. film itself, the way that um, the way that Kim basically, uh, who's played by Spacey, becomes Kaiser Soze, and we start understanding his tics, and then he had that big reveal at the end when he walks out of the police station. It's kind of similar. It's got that kind of same payoff in narrative terms. Yeah. And then the other overarching theme is this idea of obsession, right? Yeah. And, and from both protagonists, so you have Christian Bale having that as well as uh, Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman more prominently, of course, because he takes it to, to the very edge, right? Yeah. Where he's <laughs> like, he's just broken by that obsession. He needs to know the secret of Christian Bale's trick. And uh, I, I think that that sort of tunnel vision speaks to to what a lot of us feel with some things. When we get obsessed over something like, you know, when I get this one thing, everything else will click and connect. And oftentimes that's not how it works because life is a process. It, it's not that when you get to a certain stage, you're set, you're happy. No, it's, it's an ongoing thing, right? So the idea that this one, you know, thing will make everything else click I think is just a, a, a trap anyways. Did, did that also speak yeah. to you, that that idea? Well, yeah, and, and way, the way you mention it, it reminds me of um, Tyson Fury. I'm, I'm a big boxing and MMA fan. Uh -huh, I've okay. been most, 
have been most of my life. Uh, tangent. Um, yeah. Tyson Fury wins the um, WBC World Championship from Vladimir Klitschko, right? Okay. It's all he's wanted his entire life. It wasn't the best fight. It was very technical. No one got knocked out or anything, but he wins on points. He becomes world champion. From that moment, he goes like that. He loses his fitness. He becomes an alcoholic. He becomes a hardcore Coke cocaine user. Whoa. He balloons in weight. He becomes suicidal. He almost crashes his car off the road. He alienates his kids and his, his wife and his friends and his brother and his family and all these people. And then he comes out of the other side and sorts himself out. Whatever you think of him as an individual, the way he speaks, his style, he picked himself up. Yeah. He got rid of all the crap in his life. He got rid of everything superfluous. He refocused himself and he got himself fit. A year and a half later, he beats Deontay Wilder, becomes the new uh, WBC champion again, and is probably going to fight Anthony Joshua sometime this year for the biggest match there's been in years. That's amazing. Imagine how that must feel to someone after being, you know, down with probably little hope of recovering in that way yeah. to, to come back. Yeah, that's cool, man. I think that speaks to how much we all need some kind of goal whether in this case, you know, it'd be to like get back into it and, and regain the title or whatever it is. But I think a lot of us can feel aimless when we don't have something like that. I and, think it's having clarity. Yeah. And it's difficult to have clarity at times, especially last year. So many things went on yeah. uh, in, in the world in terms of politics, in terms of natural disasters, in terms of uh, well, truly horrific things, even be, you know, as well as COVID. So many things went on. I found my mind was just scattershot a lot of the time. Yeah, that's fair. And, and now I just feel a little bit more focused and, you know, have a bit more clarity. Yeah. I think also, like, you know, with a lot of people losing their jobs, they realized that the job was the only thing giving them some kind of, I don't want to say goal or drive, but structure. And without that, it's almost like some people were aimless, I felt watching it just from the outside. exact structure is the right word when I, because i would teach it for so long my life was very very clear in my mind yes okay? i knew where my half terms were i knew where my summer was where my christmas was uh, i knew where my breaks were throughout the day i knew my deadlines for marking my deadlines for getting work out i never missed any of those i was constantly organizationally structured to the highest level with courses and course files and lesson plans and uh, assessment data, all these different things. And then that just went by. Now I've been trying to do streaming and YouTube videos yeah. on a more consistent and more professional and also just more, I might want this to be my actual career if I can yeah. for a long time. But with work as well, it was always just little dribs and drabs here and there. I'd have three weeks where I'd make three or four videos and then it'd be nothing for a couple of months. And no one cares if you're not going to be consistent. Right. So now yeah, because, I'm kind of starting to claw back. Yeah, because th that's the sad reality. Nobody cares about your life from the get go. Eventually they will yeah. once they right. But like someone watching your video, they don't care if, you know, you got sacked at work. They're just, you know, they didn't see a video from you in a couple months. So they're out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, you, if you're not you're not providing the content for people to view that they don't they don't know what's going on in your life yeah. and they might have had way worse time than you you know the world's like that at the minute but you so know what eventually people do come to care like especially i've i've found on twitch you know people come to 
to be pretty like loyal and connected with you in in some way obviously remotely and all that but you know like people actually asking you uh how you are if you miss a stream that was mm. one of the cool things like hey are you, i noticed you miss a stream uh are, are you okay like someone reached out you know that's really cool because it, it's the opposite of what i said someone being like un unfollow because you didn't do a stream no they're yeah, like exactly. hey are you you know like following up it was like a cool so i think twitch is is really a, a really cool place to to cultivate a bit of a well that live interaction i mean you can do that on youtube in a, in, in a different way not live you know comment based but to actually speak to people live and have them comment live and have that literal conversational interaction is different i think you get to know people more i mean yeah i think i'm quite lucky though as well because not only have i got great mates i've known for years and years who i went to uni with and all that stuff but you guys you know i've got a, a little internal network of like you know carrick and you and silver yeah. johnny abzi uh, you know all these amazing people in the chat that, that i've known for years now years and years it's five years six years yeah it's so that, crazy how long it's been already that you get you get positive feedback and you've got people who are willing to listen to you and help and maybe pull you out of a hole you're in now and again yeah. which is good that's great that's the way it should be yeah, so I shout think... out to the ACG Discord. Get your asses shout in. Shout out, there. yes, uh, very cool. Yeah, I think in in general, just Discord has been a big crutch for people in these times as well to to have someone to reach out and. But to let's move on to a bit more like happy topics. Uh, let's talk a little bit about TV shows. Do you watch comedies at all? Oh, that's a difficult one. Because uh, you're more of a horror guy, aren't you? Yeah, I I get locked into horror quite yeah. massively. But yeah, I'll watch anything. I've got no no qualms about any genre. I mean, when I studied film, I studied every single genre of film you yeah. can imagine. So I don't really care if it's good. I was just curious uh, because uh, I've always seen you as the horror guy, but maybe you had this whole other... Like maybe you're a big rom-com sucker, but no. Well, okay, okay. Two two parts, right? Let's do the rom coms. My favorite rom com of all time is When Harry Met Sally. There you go. Uh huh. Yeah, if, it's if, good, it's it's if it's if it's good, then it's good. Doesn't matter about yeah. genre. But in terms of TV comedy, my stuff is like um, Red Dwarf, mm. um, Scrubs. If we're talking American, Friends, yeah, yeah, you know, um, League of Gentlemen, horror yeah. comedy. So uh -huh. right, you know, straight away. So that that those kind of TV series are, are my bread and butter stuff. That Red Dwarf I grew up on. Used to watch it with my dad, and so I've always loved that. Always locked into it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that came out in like I used to watch uh, Monty Python, mm -hmm. a yeah. TV show, Flying Circus, repeated on on TV when I was a kid as well. So yeah. a lot of that stuff. But lately I've been a little bit Park, Parks and Rec here and there. Yes, need to get back Very into good. need to get back into that. The Orville, the Orville, which, good. Yeah, it starts off as it, a comedy, kind of gets yeah. More becomes soon. more star more star best star trek there's been for a long long time the orville really is let's be honest it's the real sequel to star trek yeah when, when it gets to the more like serious Second season. point yeah uh because it, it's got that nice episodic thing that star trek had where each episode is its own little mini narrative yeah, yeah very cool yeah i like that man uh but you touched on um on, on something that hit me uh, the other day, I think you were speaking, I'm trying to remember exactly the context, but this is something I wanted to ask you about. 
and, and relating to what I do on Twitch uh, and, and now what you are also going to do, which is putting yourself out there, right, as a Twitch streamer, it, it, it's very difficult to put your finger on what skills are needed to succeed because it's also like in the air, right? Is it that you're funny? Is it that, you know, you, you're engaging in how you speak? So I always think about new skills to, to learn, to incorporate. And one thing that I thought about is, you know, for you, you've done so many different things. Have you done anything like stand-up comedy or like imp improv? Uh, uh, no, I've always thought about it. I've been on stage before in plays and stuff right. like that. Long, long, long time ago. And obviously when I'm doing, um, when I'm teaching film or teaching media, yeah. we'll often do scripts and block scenes and, you, you know, you set up the camera positions and, and go through dry runs and stuff like that. But no, never done anything actually stand up -y based. Yeah, because th th that's just one example of a skill that you could bring to Twitch, right? If you're I, someone I've who's always done... thought about it, and it, it scares me a little bit. But yeah. I, because because I was a teacher for so long, if you look at the history of a lot of stand-up comics, especially in Britain, a lot of them were teachers first, because they're dealing with different age groups. You're having to perform often in front of a group of people if you don't entertain them to some extent even when it's like really dry work they'll lose motivation so mm. you're, you're kind of performing a little bit so yeah. a lot of teachers do go on to stand-up comedy yeah i was curious that was more of a hunch like it felt like you could have done stand-up comedy uh just based on how you speak sometimes so that's why Maybe. i asked you about that in specific but i guess you know there's a lot of these like uh different skills that you can bring to bear and uh just like talking in general, right? Being able to talk in a way where you're not stopping every every end of sentence, you're not doing hum, hum, um, um, um. You know, there's a lot of stuff that go into it, that goes into it that uh, uh, people don't realize. But I, I feel like you've you have a lot going for you there. I, I haven't noticed you haven't noticed you really stumble a whole lot whenever we've talked even like casually you seem to to have a pretty good train of thought is that something you've trained do you do you ever is that like a purposeful deliberate thing um i've always been a relatively confident person okay not not, not arrogant I, I, I don't maybe when i was in my late teens at uni i was a bit of a dick i was probably too arrogant. <laughs> uh, yeah probably um but i've never i've never struggled with speaking in front of people never struggled speaking in front of crowds and i find that i can construct things relatively quickly right and yet i, I don't really stumble that often unless it's a subject i just i fuck all about and then i'll just do me old salesman thing and just pretend uh -huh. i know a little bit but no it's um it comes relatively naturally speaking in front and on camera yeah and i'm just, trying to pin it down works. Like uh, what what I get from you is a mix of just being like comfortable because you strike me as just being comfortable, and uh, and then also being sort of present in the sense that you're not thinking ahead. You know, I, I got these topics, these points I want to get to. It, it it feels more like you're just going with it, which I think makes it easier to not stumble because if you're just thinking about the thing you're talking about, then you have all of your bandwidth going to that. And you're not thinking yeah. about the next thing you want to drop, right? So I think that helps. Um, so I just wanted to lay that on you uh, as, I guess, uh, a bit tooting your horn there. But, but <laughs> thank, yeah, I thank think, you very much, sir. I, I think that's something that for 
most of us takes a very, very long time to develop. And on the bright side for you, it seems you, you kind of have it going naturally. So the flip side, though, is that you've got the stuff I need. If you see what I mean. So I might but I, I don't might... see what you mean. What, what do well, I have? I, well, I might be confident on camera and I might mean quite naturally. So because I'm used to it and all that shit. But you are technically better than me. That's for sure. I think because you work at it, you're more consistent. You have a, a high level of professionalism in the way you go about presentation which is absolutely excellent, the way you designed everything. Even your backdrop, the way you constructed that, the lighting is very balanced and nice, you know? And and you have a nice sheen across everything you produce. And you speak with, um, not gravitas, but with, just with a little <laughs> bit of uh, demeanor about you. Well, I appreciate that. I didn't mean this personality. to turn into a circle jerk, but I will take it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, we've known each other a long time now. And I yeah. think, do you remember when you first started the International and it was getting used to speaking uh, in a group of people and not talking over them and finding a balance in where yes. to respond? And it takes a long time sometimes, you know? Again, I think I was just used to it a bit. Whereas you got, you clicked at, at some point. Well, it wasn't that long in. You just clicked. And, and, you know, and now the podcast is just lovely, the way you guys interact with each other and you bounce off each other. Yeah, it's... It's really tricky, but at the same time, it kind of works fine without much effort. It's like a weird thing because uh, it's difficult to, to get a word in sometimes because obviously it's Carrick's show. I don't want to derail it with my random thought, right? It's not my and, place. And Silver be... never shuts the fuck up. I mean, Silver never shuts man. the fuck up. Uh, it Reg <laughs> interrupts sometimes, but overall, we're pretty good at, you know, like getting everybody to sort of speak and uh, let Carrick take it where he wants to take it. So I think it, it works well. It's one of the few, I'm trying to think, yeah, four people is a large number for a podcast, I think. Overall, it tends to be less people than that. It's, it's not, you know, if you look at like the Spawncast, uh, I don't watch them very often, but the Spawncast okay. can have like 10 like Dreamcast oh, guy and, uh, yes. and like just a whole load of people and it ca because they've got kind of a nice structure it works ish but they do have a couple of people who are audio only there's no cam that I find difficult I find if that very difficult for me just audio then you've got to be even more conscious of letting people speak and listening and not as you said having 19 thoughts and points you want to make down the line. yeah because if I'm doing this present. Carrick knows I want to speak right yeah. so there's some like body language aspect to it exactly exactly that and uh, he Carrick is probably the person who's taught me how to podcast more effectively than anyone else yeah because i've done you know so many little bits with him and you get used to the flow of people yeah and obviously you know he's very inspirational to to me as well i've you know i've taken a lot of pages from his book one of the things is like he's got this ability to never stop talking which is very valuable yeah. as a yeah. streamer right he's got this uh, ability to hook the end of one sentence to the next and a lot of times i feel like he doesn't even know where he's going with that but he he's so present in it that he figures it out you know it's almost like his brain is just faster than his mouth in some way <laughs> so the brain is just a little just on enough the fly. ahead that yeah. you know stuff is coming out like with a steady throughput so it's a it's a it's an awesome Skill. Love you, Carrick, you bastard. Love you. Yeah. Um, 
but dude so we talked about shows movies games uh let's talk real quick about music because that's you know that's a big thing for me um are, are you a big music fan yes but not really new music unless it's from games or movies so do you mean that you listen back to old stuff basically yeah so <laughs> i i my, i grew up with my mum and dad playing everything from the bgs and dire straits to diana ross the supremes yeah Luther Van Dross, those kind of things then i hit michael jackson and all the big poppy stuff when i was a teenager uh, and then i really clicked into the stuff i liked when I started, I started listening to things like uh, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, oh, and yeah. Nirvana, all the, and then my uncle Graham, when I was a kid, he hurt his back when he was 19, so he couldn't work. So in his lounge, he just had records everywhere, everything you can imagine, ACDC, Poison, you know, all these amazing old school rock bands, Def Leppard. So I used to nab them and copy them to tape, and so I had loads. And then rap came along, and I started listening to Ice T with Body Counts, which is like rock, rock kind of rap at the time. Yeah. And then um, NWA, and they came across. And then when I was around kind of eight, 17, 18, I guess, Britpop was just over, and dance was kicking in. So raves were going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Faithless. Faithless was huge. Prodigy was huge. Um, and then... I started getting into more calm things like more Chiba and Zero Seven, okay. so that's kind of. But but I like orchestral stuff as well. Uh, Ride of the Valkyries, you know, like the Excalibur yeah. soundtrack. A lot of classical music. The only stuff I really just don't fucking like is soppy R and B and pop songs. They really have to okay. have to be very specific. <laughs> like like stuff like No Diggity. That's a fucking brilliant R and B song. The more commercial stuff, I just nah, not, I, not really. I get you. That's okay. I'm quite yeah, quite eclectic. Yeah, and, and I think like also uh, game OSTs, right? Because you've mentioned a couple. You also Mass Effect. No diggity. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. No, no diggity should be in Mass Effect. They should put that in the remaster. Yeah, uh, but I did want to touch on AI. I know it's totally unrelated. It's not a good segue, but I, I wanted to somehow shoehorn this in because you watch a lot of movies, obviously. Uh, and so you've come across all these narratives of AI and how it can turn out, right? All the <clears throat> disaster scenarios, but as well, like the cool stuff that can come of it. And I always think back to, uh, what what's the name? One of my favorite sort of AI movies, uh, near, no, Ex Machina. Yeah. Have you seen that yeah. one? Yeah. From Alex Garland. Do you like that movie? Yeah, and he's a great writer. Um, it's what I, think, I can't remember his first directed film or one of. He was the guy who wrote The Beach, for instance. He's yes. done a load of stuff. So there's this idea, right, of the uh, the test that where like, hey, is is it conscious? Has our AI become conscious? And you see this everywhere, right? And for me, I've always thought, what does it matter if? If for all intents and purposes, it feels like and it behaves like it is, do we care whether, you know, it is actually conscious or if it's just like so good at pretending that it convinces us? Where do you sit on that? Does that like unsettle you at all to think about that kind of stuff? Um, Given the pandemic in 2020, AI can take over the world for all I care. That's fine. I've got no problem with that. They would do a better job. Probably. I'm looking for some some form of apocalypse we can enjoy before everything goes to tits off. Yes. Um, 
I yeah, I, I've studied AI for a long time. Um, I read Isaac Asimov's books uh, a very, yeah. very long time ago. The, the, the rules of robotics, you know, yep. how they would establish a containment for a consciousness. So they had three one. rules, right? Uh, yeah. It was like you had to obey humans, but nothing you do can harm a human. And I forget the other one, but I think that was sort of the gist of it. It's basically Robocop. So if you watch Robocop, he has four prime directives. One is um, a secret one. But the three directives are essentially the three laws of Isomod's Eisen yeah. robotics. Um, I, I find it a fascinating subject because it's gone beyond simply the notion of... Like, it used to be the idea of AI, like, say, Terminator or Skynet, which be becomes conscious, decides that humans are uh, not needed on the planet, are destroying yeah. the world, and they can do it better. And you see that in the Matrix things. You know, we got that for quite a long time. But now we're starting to see this idea of... Like Ghost in the Shell yep. is an outstanding manga movie. And it's one of the first movies that really started talking about this notion of human organic consciousness combine or becoming digital version of itself and then yep. combining with an AI consciousness. Right. And I think I think at some point, like with you know, we both played Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. But, but, but we both played it. But one of the things that I find striking about that is the idea of your mind becoming digitized and then you can kind of integrate another AI into your mind. So like my, my issue with that is that it would no longer be you. It would be a copy of you. It's like Star Trek yeah. when Scotty beams you, you are being murdered in place and then a copy of you is being created down in the planet. That's what's happening. Like a facsimile. Yeah. So for me, when you say, yeah, I'm going to create a copy of you and like put it somewhere else. That's great for the copy. They're going to have a great time, I'm sure. But I'm still fucked. I'm still in my body. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no concept in which you could transfer actually who you are. No, in, in no. no real sense. The closest they've got right now, which has been around for a little while, is um, AIs that like they will take everything you've ever put online. Yeah, they will. They will look at your social media, your photos, your videos, your comments. They'll create uh, the way you speak, kind yeah. of, but often get it wrong. Like there was a, um, I can't remember. Oh, it might have been. Was it Cinemassacre or was it? It was one of the, the film YouTube channels. It was Screen Junkies. It was. Yeah. They hired this AI company to write their like five anniversary honest trailers and it took it looked at every honest trailer that channel had ever made <laughs> compiled the way it, it worked out its sentence structures the jokes it used things like that uh -huh. and it created a script for them and 70% of it sounded like them 20% sounded off and just didn't quite get it and 10% just sounded weird Yes. <laughs> so, you know, but then you, if you're talking about like deep, deep AI, with Google and Amazon who are uh -huh. working on far more complex stuff. But yeah, we're, we're not at the point yet. I mean, they, they did at one point have to turn off their AIs, Google. Yeah. Because yeah. It, start, it was starting to question itself and other things and other AIs. It was like, oh, oh, t press the red button. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. back back away. Carol, so, I remember that. That was hilarious, the voice to, to text. I think we're in this uncanny place where that sort of stuff is almost close to feeling real like when you look at some of those fake deep fake 
you know, Joe Rogan videos where the AI had, you know, however many thousands Joe Rogan podcasts to look at. And then it produces something that kind of sounds like Joe, but there's yeah, something exactly. about it. That's like, not quite. I think yeah, that, there's that slight, yeah, slight off about it. It's, yeah, slight it's off. not quite right. But the next step is a direct, unrecognizably different uh no sorry unrec yeah it, it's the same it, it sounds like the real thing to the point where you can't tell if it's joe or if it's you know the 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 ai so for me at that point it gets tricky because you people, get into people have already done it did you see the queen at the um uh, christmas no there was i i didn't i need to watch it actually but there was an alternate i saw uh, screenshots and little uh, clips from it but they did a channel four did an alternative queen's message at the same time and it was a deep fake whoa so it's getting uh, so weird you, man especially yeah, with man. video like they got Very some weird. obama stuff where it's like obama saying some crazy stuff with deep yeah, fakes, I saw that. and it looks like obama saying those things <laughs> and you know it's not perfect yet but again it, it might get to the point where well, well if you've got the ai deep fake stuff then you're yeah. taking real video as well and slicing that in uh-huh and then you've got um ai recreating audio and matching tonalities and stuff that's then completely covered you you know we're, we're not far off we are very very close yeah and it seems we're way we're way behind in terms of figuring out some solution to that problem in terms of like some stamp of authenticity that says that's obama and not a deep fake i'm using obama in this example but you know when we get to that place it's just like we can't trust any video anymore it used to be that you couldn't yeah. trust audio because it could be, you know, it could be more easily uh, doctored with. Uh, and, and now video is getting to the point where you can generate something that kind of looks real. Well, yeah, and you can you can put watermarks in, you can put audio marks in, you can do your best to try and show that it's authentic and it's not deep faked. Yeah. People will always find a way around it to manipulate. Always. There's always ways of stripping things out or altering things with technology. Yeah. So... For every every combative move people will make to try and you know make deepfakes more overt, I think people will just get better and better at doing them. And as you said, then we've got a real problem because we're already dealing with a saturated sense of news, which is constantly misinformed and, and not trustworthy unless you dig and do a whole load of background research to establish whether it's fact and truth or not. Yeah. If you've got video, which is of world leaders and politicians and prominent people, and it just goes out. Say, say someone hacks Elon Musk's um, Twitter account yeah. and puts a video out on um, some of his political views, and, and and he agrees or sides with some really noxious, horrible group. Boom! That group is emboldened. The video is out. You can delete it. It'll already have been screen grabbed a thousand times. It'll be uploaded on YouTube. It'll be, it'll be in the web, and that's the problem. Once it's out there. Can you discern what's real and what's not? You need to be very savvy about the way you understand media, mediation of sources, and just do your fucking background research. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I did want to discuss that with you. Sorry for the weird tangent, but that's one of my favorite topics. Weird tangents are the best. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks for doing this, man. It's been a blast. Uh, we need to have you on again because many other topics we didn't get to. Well, topics themselves, they are awesome chocolate bars, little nuts in them. Um, thank, I thank you for that little tidbit. I appreciate it. All right, citizens <laughs> leave. Take care, man. We'll see you next time. Take it easy, guys. Thank you, Johnny.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Gamer Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, remember to share with your friends and come back every Monday at 9 a.m. UK time for a new episode. You can find all that I do, including streaming, license-free music, and much more at my website, johnnyplays.live. That's J-O-N-N-Y plays.live. And as always, catch you next time.